Okay, we're going to be looking... I'm going to give you a break, a, a week off from talking about communion. You may or may not be pleased to know. Um, but uh, we're going to look at John chapter 11, which is the story of Lazarus' resurrection. And um, John chapter 11, verse 38. John is towards the end of the Bible. John 11. I have a good authority. It's on page 1077 in the Green Bibles. Just as a, a... It might be helpful if you have a Bible. and If you haven't got a Bible, first of all, let me know. Like, I'm not talking about now. But if you have one at home, bring it to church. Radical idea. And then, um, then particularly when you're... Uh, looking at these references up, you, I don't know about anybody else who's had a, a, a Bible for a long time. Reggie's got a difficult one there. It's a very small print. Um, so if you've had, you, you kind of, I don't necessarily know the references, but I know it's about that far through on the, the right-hand side of the, about halfway up. You know, I, I, some verses I remember and some things I just know that's where to find it in the Bible. Does that make sense? So you get sort of familiar with literally the, 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 the pages of your own Bible and then when somebody says find John you're not looking you know as if that's a, a, a puzzle so just encourage you bring your, bring your Bible um, if you have one uh, we'll, we'll do a, a test next week we'll do a sword drill anyone know who that is anyway um, yeah. all right <laughs> Yes, um, <laughs> I could go off on a real tangent now, but I won't. Um, so I, I'm going to be talking about Lazarus. Now, just a little background to this story. So um, for me, so um, uh, I've started, some of you will know I've been seeing a mentor for many years, uh, Peter, who for some reason I've lost contact with, which is a bit of a shame. Um, so I'm quite sad about that. But uh, I have started seeing a new spiritual director uh, over the last few weeks and I think this some of this comes from sort of uh, some sort of dust that's been kicked up in my life uh, and and also just uh, one of the things he's he's got me to do is just to reflect and and look back on on the on my life and 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 then therefore doing that I've been looking back at just ministry and things that have happened here and as I've done so I've just looked at more and more, and continuing to this day, just seeing people's lives uh, being changed and transformed by the work of Christ, but sometimes, oftentimes in uncomfortable and difficult ways. And so as a pastor, you watch people go through stuff, and as a pastor, we've been through stuff, which is not necessarily easy, but as you (coughs) step back and look at it, you see, see God working in a beautiful way. So anyway, so that's where this comes from. So before we read here, I'm just going to give you the back. I'm going to read the whole Lazarus story. But the idea um, behind the the whole story is Lazarus is um, one of Jesus' friends. He's got two sisters, Mary and Martha, also Jesus' friends. They're all kind of, they're all friends, 
right? And then Lazarus gets sick, which happens. Anyone been sick? We've got coughs and colds going on. People get sick. Um, and, and so they call for Jesus because if you know Jesus, he's in the business of healing people. Yay, good, call for Jesus. And so what does Jesus do? If you think the waiting times are bad at St. Peter's, <laughs> I think we're 10th worst in the country, Jesus waits for two days before he does anything. <laughs> okay? So this is like calling 999, and we'll have about an ambulance with you in two days. Is that okay? Probably not. But anyway, that's the Jesus way of doing things. So um, Jesus delays his coming, um, and finally when he arrives at Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Yeah, I know. Oh, and and you know, um, there's a whole sort of like conversation that goes on and, and lots of dialogue. But actually, we find within that dialogue, which we won't read, but there's the the, the famously the shortest verse in the Bible is where Je- it says Jesus wept. That's it, and that's part of this story. Anyway, we're going to pick it up towards the end of the story. So, <clears throat> excuse me, from verse uh, thirty-eight, it says Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there was a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So I've become aware over the last few years um, that rescue from life-threatening situations is often quite uncomfortable. As we were walking up in the, uh, the Lake District uh, earlier in the week, Louise and I, we've been away for a few days, just two of us, and we're walking. And I have this condition called Raynaud's Syndrome, where so my fingers and toes get cold very quickly. And, and, and then uh, that makes me get cold quite quickly after that. So Louise said, if you break your ankle here... You might die, you know, because <laughs> basically, you know, we're up here on the middle of a nowhere up on a, on a hill and it's the wind's cold and the ground's cold. So if you trip and fall and we can't get you up, by the time somebody comes to rescue you, it could be the end, you know. I'm exaggerating now. It wasn't quite like this. But there, there was subliminally, this was what was being said. I think she was saying, just take, be careful, don't fall over. <laughs> um, in a Louise kind of way. Um, because I know... Um, that if you do break your leg up there, then, then you do, you, it's quite difficult to get a rescue team up there. And when they get you up there, then they probably have to do some first aid on you. They may have to cut a bit of clothing off and get to move bits, you know, if you dislocated your shoulder or your... It's all a bit... Why do I know this? Because my daughter is fascinated <laughs> with these things on the TV. And if we sit down to watch anything on the TV, uh, it's, it's quite often something like this. So, and oftentimes I can't watch because it is too much. Um, but the rescue process in itself, I mean, like sometimes you have a car crash 
and you're stuck in the car so they have to get the fire brigade along and they have this cutting equipment which is kind of like gripping the car here and cutting it off right next to your face and <laughs> and then you've got somebody trying to you know put a cannula in you while they put you on a backboard or whatever it's called and you know all that stuff you know what i'm talking about right yes sometimes the process of rescue is actually even more uncomfortable than the actual event that caused you to be there in the first place even though it's good for you if you know what i mean um but you know that actually this is a rescue and there is hope in this and there is an end goal and it's a good thing. So I wonder whether we could call this story, you know, 999, Jesus, what's your emergency? Um, you know, because here's Jesus, he's called, nobody watches those programmes, obviously, otherwise you would have got that. Um, uh, you know, Jesus is called and, and he's, he's on a rescue mission to a dead man. But I want us to imagine this story from Lazarus's point of view. Lazarus, in the scriptures, the one person we really don't get to hear from in this story. We hear, get to hear from his sisters, we get to hear from Jesus. Um, but we don't really hear anything from Lazarus himself. And to be fair, that's fair, fair enough, because most of the time he's either very sick or very dead. So you don't expect him to say very much. But I want us to try and imagine the story from his point of view. So I'm guessing that he's lying on a bed somewhere, possibly his house, possibly his one of his sister's house or maybe they all live in the same house i don't know i don't know but i'm guessing he's lying in his bed um and he's looking in a bad way and i'm guessing his sisters mary and martha they would have tried to reassure lazarus because we always do that when someone's sick we say stuff to them and we hope that makes them feel better um sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't and um and no doubt they said don't worry we'll send for jesus and that's hopefully brings hope because jesus is in the healing business right you're feeling sick don't worry, we'll send for Jesus. Effectively, we'll call for an ambulance. Help is on the way. And maybe Lazarus lying there thinking, okay, good, but I'm sensing this anxiety around me. I'm sensing things are anxious. I'm sensing that people are stressed, worried. Um, and I, maybe Lazarus can feel his own pain. He knows his own suffering. Um, and then after a time... Jesus doesn't show up. And maybe, are we allowed to say this, there may be, have been some disappointment with Lazarus because he's thinking, I thought we were friends. I think he should have been here by now. You know, maybe, what's gone on? Don't know. And then at some point, Lazarus dies. Now, Lazarus doesn't know the things that Jesus is talking about because he wasn't party to that. He doesn't know that Jesus is saying, I'm, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, he doesn't know that Jesus delayed his, his setting off and to, to come to, 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 to see him. Um, he doesn't know that Jesus wept when he got there and found that Lazarus was dead. Lazarus just knows death. That's it. That's all he knows. Now, I don't know what that's like. I haven't been dead for four days. I can't tell you what that's like. But um, I'm guessing... Well, I, I don't know what I'm guessing. I, was his spirit there uh, sort of hovering over the body? I mean, I had this comical thought in my mind thinking that Lazarus might think there's a bit of resurrection possibility here. So the spirit of Lazarus kind of like sort of lingered over the body thinking, I wonder whether something might happen here. I'm just going to wait around for a bit and just see whether... I can get back in and get going again. You still like fire up the engine. Anything's possible with Jesus. I don't know whether that happened. I don't know whether maybe um, 
you know, Lazarus' spirit went to Hades or to heaven or to hell. I don't know. Or I don't know whether he just like fell asleep and it was like being in a very deep sleep and he knew nothing about anything, you know, and, 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 and it was just, I don't know. I, I've, not been, as I say, I've not been dead. I don't know. But what we do know is that probably that one thing that he does sense is maybe the first thing after all of this is happening that, that he hears these words from a familiar voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And you, you know that feeling, I'm guessing, sometimes, you know, when your mum's waking you up because you're late for school and you've, you've slept in or something, that kind of sense, kind of, what, what, where am I, that kind of thing. I'm guessing he's thinking, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus is probably thinking, come out where? Where am I? It's dark. I'm wrapped up in something. It's difficult to move. It, I'm just in a strange place. I, I've got a friend who was knocked off his bike. Oh dear, why am I telling this story? Didn't mean to. But anyway, <laughs> he says he can remember being on his bike and then he woke up thinking, why have I gone to bed in my cycling shorts? <laughs> it turns out he'd woken up in St Peter's. He had no memory, memory of, of what happened. And, uh, but he, en- he ended up in hospital. He'd had a serious bang on the head. <laughs> and then he said, the good thing was my bike was all right. And then, <laughs> then I knew he was a proper cyclist because <laughs> he was more worried about his bike than his head. But you can imagine Lazarus, you know, thinking, what's going on? Where am I? And then come out. So, okay, come out. How do I come out? So he starts to maybe starts to roll over and start crawling. Maybe he stumbles to his feet. Um, he sees maybe some vague light because he's got stuff over his face. He's in the dark. He sees the light. So he, he, he starts to stumble towards that. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe this is what dead dreams are like. I don't know what dead dreams are like, but maybe this is what dead dreams are like. Then maybe he trips over. Maybe he bumps into the wall. Maybe he hits his head on the ceiling. Um, he stumbles. And if you could watch all of that, it might actually look quite funny. You know, it's kind of like, it could actually quite be serious or it could be one of those moments where it's just kind of like, this is just hilarious. What is going on here? I'm supposed to be resurrected and yet I can't even find my way out of the tomb, you know. And you can imagine people outside, the drum roll. Lazarus is coming. And then he emerges, maybe collapses out of the, the, the tomb wrapped in this stuff um, and he didn't even realise it was a grave and here he comes into the light and no doubt at that point what Lazarus would have experienced he would have heard because these people weren't polite British people I'm guessing they would have been wailing and crying and shouting yeah, and clapping and just a cacophony of just chaos And Lazarus is kind of like, where am I? What's going on? And then he hears the voice again, unbind him, let him go. Now, again, in British kind of culture, we might sort of like, okay, who's going to unbind him? You know, Bryony, have you got a pair of scissors? She's medically trained. Right, maybe she knows what to do. But actually, no, have we got a nurse here? Mm -hmm. And we're all kind of like politely saying, no, after you. But I'm imagining there, he would have just been pounced on, (laughs) rushed on. 
And he's probably thinking, what is going on? And he's, there's people like tugging at this side, this side. There's bits of material going here, there and everywhere. And, and the people, they're not going to be particularly careful. They're just excited. It's like a kid with a Christmas present. They're not thinking, oh, I better make sure I take the wrapping paper off carefully because mum might reuse it again next year, <laughs> unless you've been trained well. Um, <laughs> they're just tearing this stuff off. Yeah? And so this newly resurrected body of Lazarus's might well be getting a bit bruised now. And... Um, it might actually become quite uncomfortable. In fact, some people might be taking this stuff off and you might be thinking, I'm losing the sensation in my left hand here now. This is actually getting, oh, that's not very nice. And then somebody takes out a knife and starts cutting away and you're thinking, no, mind out, you know. And it's, yeah, uncomfortable. It's not very elegant. It's not very neat. It's not very tidy. It's not very graceful. It's not very dignified. Um, it's uncomfortable, I'm sure. Probably a little bit humiliating. But he's resurrected from the dead. He can see, he can hear, he can stretch, he can move. He's being hugged, he's being kissed. He senses that love, he senses that life. I think this is maybe what this resurrection might have looked like. I tell you what I don't think it would have been like. It would not have been like, ding, da-da. I was once dead and now I'm alive and everything is now perfect. Kind of like just out of the box. Like a jack in the, out of the box, jack in the box, kind of dunk. And there it is, perfect Lazarus, um, perfectly formed. Um, and, and everyone kind of goes, yeah, right, got it, nice one, move on. And it was, you know, like you turned a light on. It's either on or off and here he's on again. Simple, clean, instant. I think it's a more uncomfortable process than that for Lazarus. I think it's an uncomfortable process that ended up in amazing freedom for him. Now, why am I talking about this? Because I think, as I said, I think this is something I've seen time and time again and continuing to see time and time again in all of us. I think it's a realistic metaphor for the Christian life, that walking into healing and deliverance and new life, walking the discipleship way of Christ, walking um, in an ongoing sanctification and purification of the Spirit, it's oftentimes uncomfortable, not very neat and tidy, a bit messy, a bit embarrassing, a bit just kind of, I don't know, just, yeah, messy. It's not microwaved perfection. We have a, I think we have a visitor. They've been called forth. Um, it's not just microwave, instant perfection, you know, press the button for 30 seconds and there you go, you've got the perfect Christian pops out the other end. I think there will be moments of great revelation, there'll be moments of experience and encounter and freedom, there'll be joy when we hear our name called out, but there'll be stumbles and there'll be bumps and there'll be humiliating moments along the way as we learn to follow the call of Christ. It's not straightforward. And so all I'm saying, first of all, is, is be kind to one another. Be kind to ourselves. First of all, be kind to ourselves because sometimes when we fall and, we, and, and the Christian life doesn't go the way we expect it or we mess up or we hit our head on the ceiling or whatever, and we, we end up 
crucifying ourselves again and we and but actually this is just this is natural Lazarus's journey out of the tomb I'm sure wasn't just a kind of bing thing so be kind to ourselves and be kind to one another because there'll be people around you thinking come on surely you've got this by now well, just move a little bit quicker in this discipleship walk and yeah actually no it takes time it takes time, it takes grace, it takes patience. It isn't clean cut, it isn't straight out of the box. So let us not be afraid of being honest about our Lazarusness. That we are resurrected, but we're also allowing these things to be unwrapped in us. I think, if I'm honest, I bumped into some, I was at Adelson Baptist Church earlier, and I bumped into a guy who's in advertising, he, he works in advertising. So I had to be careful how I said this. <laughs> but oftentimes the way Christian, church, Christian things or churches advertise themselves, you see perfect people, perfect teeth, you know, these sort of like amazingly vibrant backgrounds and sort of backdrops to their life and they're wearing perfect clothes. And you just think, where do they find these people, you know? Where do they find these people? They look better than Hollywood stars a lot of the time. And you just think, what is this? Is this really church? I think the best advertising for church would be to have some people like with Lazarus, half unwrapped, with sort of hair out here and sort of like a band, you know, grave clothes sort of hanging off them and some, you know, and a few bruises where the other people have tried to get the, you know, the stuff off. That's kind of, that's, that's really what life is in Christ, isn't it? It's not always pretty and elegant. Paul says... We also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, along the way, I think we're going to bump into people in our Christian walk. Some of them are going to be really helpful and they're going to get that bandage, that, I keep calling it bandage, the grave clothes off super quick and help be really helpful but then there'll be others very well meaning <laughs> and they end up just giving you bins and needles <laughs> but part of that's the journey part of that is for us to grow in grace as we as we're unwrapped and as we come to new life i think in all of this what i'm saying is and it's something i've, I've learned through grief grief is a process people say just stick with the process of grief. Just allow it to keep happening. Allow it to keep going because you'll get, you will go through it. And, and it, there is a process and there, there is a, a direction and a flow in it. But I think it's the same with this resurrection life. Just all, all Jesus was asked is just stick with it. Just keep going with it. Allow the bumps and the, the twists and the turns. Allow the great moments of joy and the great moments of sorrow to be part of the journey. And just to keep going. Allow yourself to be rescued. Allow yourself to be taken down the hillside on a stretcher with a group of volunteer rescue people who some of them know what they're doing. Some of them have no idea other than that they just need to get you down as quick as possible. Allow yourself to be carried, to be unbandaged, to be called forth. Let grace abound. And, and above all, know that hope. I don't know whether Lazarus lost hope when Jesus didn't turn up the first time, as it were, for him. But know that Jesus calls us forth. 
He calls us into a new life. So keep that in mind and know that at every difficult bit of unwrapping or difficult turn in our lives or question that we might have or doubt that we might have or fear that we might have or, or addiction that we need to overcome or, or sickness that, that happens to us or temptation that comes our way or whatever it is that the difficult thing, the lump on the bump of our walk that Jesus is ahead of us calling us. And I hadn't mean, meant to say this, but I don't know why. Sometimes I get quite distracted in the morning. Actually, most. This is when I'm, I need help with this. Uh, I do get distracted. It's one of the things I was talking to my spiritual director. But I ended up w- listening to a rugby podcast this morning. Yep. There you go. It was about Ellis Genge. Anyone follow rugby? No. Okay. Okay. Those are the wrong uh, examples. Anyway, Ellis Genge is one of the England team and... He's, he's uh, becoming sort of higher up this sort of chain in leadership. And um, he was just saying, you know, as a captain, they don't always pick the best player as the captain in rugby. They need somebody who sees the game and who can say, right, I'm going to delegate now to you, right? You're going to say, I need, tell the, the kicker, I need the ball up in the right hand side of the pitch. And that's where we're playing the game for the next 10 minutes. You know, and I need the, and then he's just delegating responsibility. You notice here, Jesus doesn't do an awful lot. In the, well, he resurrects a guy. But other than that, he then says to the other people, unwrap him. And I think part of this journey of faith is we journey of faith together. And, and sometimes it's just getting yourself and just putting yourself in church. And even if that's all you can do, allow the people around you to sing the songs. I know I was talking to Keith earlier, he can't, can't sing at the moment. He's got a... a, a Bad chest. I noticed you were humming a bit there, Keith. But I've been in, in services. I, I remember when I was on sabbatical, I went to um, Evensong at uh, Chichester Cathedral. And you don't sing. They, the choir sings. Weird experience for me. But actually, somehow, I found them doing the worship for me. It was almost a ministry of worship that was happening to me. So sometimes we just come amongst God's people that's all it is. Just put yourself there and let yourself be carried. <coughs> Allow the people around you to minister to you. Because we all do that to one another. And actually, as we're unbandaged, we're, a- we're able to underbandage other people around us too. Let's keep resurrection ahead of us. So I wonder whether this morning, before we take communion, that we can just minister to one another. You might have, we'll just take a moment of quiet, and you might have some things where you just think, yeah, the grave clothes are still on me in this area. I don't know what it is. You may just think, oh, life is just hard at the moment, spiritually. Or you may be finding it really good, or you may have no idea where you are, or you may be just a bit lost, or you may be completely on cloud nine with it. I don't know. (laughs) But know as we bless one another this morning before we take communion, that we're each carrying one another and Jesus says unwrap him to one another unwrap uh, as, as we minister to one another just by I'd like us to do our Celtic blessing of welcoming honouring and blessing in the name of Jesus that in that there is a ministry of God's grace to one another that brings new life upon new life because the goal is new life the goal is freedom the goal is new life in Christ so let's just take a moment and let's maybe ask Jesus where he wants to it may be just for some of you I've never heard Jesus call me by name come out of the grave maybe you might just need to hear that 
in your, in your heart and your soul. And maybe for others, there's some areas of your life you just think, I just really need somebody to help me unwrap this. You might even want to go to somebody and say, can you just pray for me and to unwrap this in my life? So let's take a moment of quiet and then we'll bless one another and share communion together.